they had been with him night and day for the past three years, walking endless miles, listening to his teachings, witnessing his healings. They had seen him reach out to people from every walk of life, every age, nationality, and gender. So for three years, he was their life, their teacher, their mentor, their pastor, and their friend. And now suddenly he was gone, crucified, dead. So who could blame them? There was no point in hanging around the city anymore. It was time to go home. Time to take the long walk home. I think we've all been there at one time or another. We've all taken that long walk literally or deep, deep within our souls. It's the kind of walk you take when you don't know what to do or think or feel. The kind of walk you take when you can no longer make sense of the world, the injustice, the cruelty, the innocent suffering of good people. The kind of walk you take when your spiritual life is caved in, when you can't sleep, when food doesn't taste the same, when you can't think or see straight. And then to add insult to injury, out on the streets it was life as usual. The flags are not half-mast, the newspaper headlines are status quo, The stores are wide open. The street vendors are out there selling their wares. People are moving around out there like nothing at all had happened. You ever felt like that? Have you ever gone to the funeral of someone you love deeply? And when it's over, you come outside heartbroken, and the clerk behind the counter smiles and says, have a nice day. It seems so contradictory, so unfair, so surreal. W.H. Auden captured the experience perfectly in his poem, Funeral Blues. Stop all the clocks. Cut off the telephone. Prevent the dog from barking with a juicy bone. Silence the pianos and with muffled drum. Bring out the coffin, let the mourners come. Let aeroplanes circle moaning overhead, scribbling in the sky the message, he is dead. Put crepe bows round the white necks of the public doves. Let the traffic policemen wear black cotton gloves. He was my north, my south, my east, my west, my working week and my Sunday rest. My noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. I thought that love would last forever, but I was wrong. The stars are not wanted now, put out every one. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. Pour away the ocean and sweep up the wood. For nothing now can ever come to any good. For nothing now can ever come to any good. That's exactly what the disciples felt that day as they walked toward Emmaus. So I wanted to know more about the village of Emmaus, and I did a little research. And what I discovered was puzzling, to say the least. As it turns out, there is no historical record of Emmaus at all. What do you make of that? Why, if it's only seven miles from the capital city of Jerusalem, is there not a single mention of it in any of the first century documents? What's the message here? More importantly, what does it mean to us personally? Well, I think the biblical message is as follows. Emmaus is nowhere And at the same time, Emmaus is everywhere. Emmaus is not simply a journey that happened to two people 2,000 years ago. Rather, Emmaus is everyone's journey, yours and mine included. 
So the two disciples were returning to their Emmaus home. Suddenly they're joined by a stranger. He seemed to appear out of nowhere. And as they walked along, he told them what had happened. They told them what had happened to their friend Jesus. They were touched by the man's compassion. They marveled at his knowledge of scripture, but they did not recognize him. Just like Mary on Easter morning at the empty tomb, they did not recognize him. What is that? Well, the psychologists call it disorienting grief. When the dark valley suddenly engulfs us, everything around us becomes out of focus. The loss of a loved one is the worst, but it happens in other ways too. The sudden end of a marriage or relationship, the sad day at work or at school when we were let go or passed over for a promotion or our application was rejected. When that happens, we want to know what to do. We don't have any answers, so we just keep walking. We keep walking toward home, toward what is familiar and unchanged, the favorite chair, the blanket, the coffee cup, those creature comforts that for a few moments provide warmth in a cold, dark valley. So the disciples did that. They kept walking. They kept walking toward Emmaus. And Jesus kept walking next to them, talking to them, listening to them, answering all their questions. And when they finally reached the house, Jesus continued on. At which point they called out to him and said, stay with us. Please stay with us. I think that's one of those unconscious primal prayers that we've all said silently or out loud. Lord, stay with me. Stay with me in this darkness. Don't leave me. In the words of the old hymn, I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. And so he did, and then it happened. Having sat down for a home-cooked meal, suddenly this stranger takes their bread and serves them. Now let me repeat this. This stranger comes into their home, takes their bread, and serves them. I love that. They had walked for miles. He even interpreted scripture for them, which he had done countless times, and they still didn't recognize him. It wasn't until he served them. It wasn't until Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it that they saw him, that they remembered him. So ask yourself this morning, how are people going to remember you when you're gone? What gestures, actions, words, clothing, what will invoke your spirit when you are gone? One of the bittersweet blessings of my job is being with people after a loved one has passed away, sitting with family and close friends in deep, deep grief, sitting with them for a long time, planning a memorial service. Well, after saying a prayer, I begin by asking everyone in the room to close their eyes and remember the person. What image comes to your mind? Where do you see them? What are they doing? What are they saying? A few minutes later, one by one, people begin to open their eyes and they begin to speak. I see her in the kitchen kneading bread. I see him sitting in his favorite old chair offering all kinds of unsolicited advice. I see her feeding the birds every single winter's day in the backyard. 
and that's precisely when it happens, that Emmaus moment. During those moments of remembrance, the spirit of the person who has died enters that room and the veil is lifted. You can almost feel it palpably. The veil is lifted and those gathered experience a love and a peace and a joy and sometimes, yes, even humor, holy humor. I can't tell you how many times I've planned a memorial service with people and it's ended with laughter. So it's a spiritual remembering to be sure. But let me suggest this morning, I think it is also profoundly physical. Physical in the sense that we literally, whether we know it or not, remember the bodies of our friends and loved ones with our own bodies. We remember their body. Our hands become our mother or grandmother's hands when we need their bread recipe. Our voice becomes our father's voice when we hear ourselves offering our children or grandchildren or nieces or nephew all kind of unsolicited advice. And when we get up and it's snowy out there and deep on a cold winter's morning, our bodies become the body of that beautiful neighbor lady who did that every morning who passed away a week or two ago. So the same is true with the risen Christ. We become his body too. In fact, that may well be the purpose of this whole Emmaus story. To remind us that we are all called to be that stranger on the road. That one who walks beside those who are feeling grief and hopelessness and fear. We are called to remember him spiritually and physically. Called to become his strong arms when we reach out to others and hug someone. Called to become his heart by breaking open our hearts for others in mercy and forgiveness called to be his prophetic voice when we speak out on behalf of justice and fairness. So when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he was not simply talking about celebrating communion once a month with fancy silver trays. Rather, what he was saying was, remember my spirit, remember my body. Remember me with your body spiritually and physically. Physically. 